you got the two two teams. We're all going to go play sport, soccer, footy, whatever it is, and then you got to pick teams. Okay, well, I'll pick George, and I'll pick them, and I'll pick that, and there's there's Dave standing at the end of the line with the big, tall carrot top and the short, dumpy kid. Oh, okay, where the kids are left last. There's a re rejection factor. No, no one wants you. It's like, oh, great, no one loved me. What is up, everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. Before we get into this episode, I just want to say that the feedback to both Mitch and myself for episode 29 with Mitchell Vicarage has been amazing so far. So I know people loved how in-depth he went into nutrition, um, how he talked about relinquishing the ego, and I'm just super humbled and super stoked that you guys took the time to actually reach out and say something positive like that. It just keeps inspiring me to keep putting in 100% effort, heart, passion, uh, fire into this. I love it, and I'm so grateful for all of you who take the time to listen. Now, with this episode, I know you're going to be motivated. By the end of it, I know you're going to want to get up off that butt and do something to better your life because this dude is inspirational. He's motivational, man. And we touch on what it's like not just to be born with one arm but what it was like for him growing up and living with one arm because he's faced a lot of rejection he's created his own self-limiting self beliefs that he's had to overcome over the years and then we touch on uh, what he calls pumping the positive and it's really that paradigm shift for him that turned his life from one of mediocrity and self-limiting beliefs into this one where he's now super successful in real estate making the most of his life and inspiring others to do so as well i know you're going to love this guys if you want to please feel free to reach out and let me know what you think of the episode let david know what you think of the episode yeah i'd love to hear it but without further ado let's hit it yo <coughs> are you good to go yeah yep Welcome back everyone to the Open Up Podcast, this is episode number 30 with David Weir, he is the high performing diamond class real estate agent right here in Perth, my man thank you for taking the time to do this, letting me come into your office. Mate, <laughs> thank you very much, it's an absolute honour. <laughs> um, like we were speaking about before, we usually jump right into childhood and give a quick summary but because what you're here to talk about, the story you're here to share for Open Up starts pretty much from birth or it does start from birth did you want to just run us through your story from start to finish yeah sure sure um i guess it all starts from uh baby inside my mum's tummy um and um we just start with that yeah i was born with one arm i have no left arm at all uh, my right arm is from the elbow down is slightly shorter and two fingers and a thumb um, I posted something actually the other day and uh, on, on Facebook and it said, um, I was born one arm, you probably got two, you don't need two arms to succeed. Um, so That's cool. As a child growing up, obviously I was different, um, but being born with one arm is a lot easier than 
if you lost your arm, yeah. you'd have to relearn everything. I've met guys over my lifetime who have lost an arm through an accident because I do have an artificial arm, uh, which I strap on to hold a fishing rod. Okay. Um, and that's probably about the only time I actually use it because I grew up with one arm. As a child, you develop um, your own way of doing things. Yeah. Um, I think I was quite fluid as a child, um, developed strong legs, and so I used my legs for a lot of things to hold objects against, uh, little things like that. So, um, where do you go from there? Um, yeah, uh, mum and dad, they parted ways in, you know, when I was quite young. Okay. Uh, I think I was only about two. I have uh, two sisters. Yeah. Um, and uh, did you go with mum? <coughs> yeah, yeah, so mum, mum brought us up, so we Typical single parent Aussie family then, a uh, little asbestos house on Wanneroo Road in Olamara. Oh, Perth. nice. Love um, the asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all painted, all sealed, no broken fibres <laughs> hanging out. So we were, you know, 55 now and uh, still very healthy. Still <laughs> kicking, man. <laughs> still kicking, mate. Kicking hard, kicking goals. Um, yeah, so childhood, yeah, I think uh, as a child growing up, I think I just had that uh, subconscious awareness that there's other people around me had, you know, they were different or... Probably more so, I was different. Yep. And from that, it's like all children, I guess, in, in school, you know, there's a lot of children get picked on. Um, you, know, you know, the big, tall, skinny kid, redhead. And I remember going, we had a guy in the class who used to get, you know, called Carrot Top. Yeah. We used to tease him. Nice to tease him, you know. And that was my, you know, I was just in there for, in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, I was with the other guys too. So fighting for my uh, social space, I yeah. suppose you would call it. Um, and then, you know, you've got the other kids, uh, you know, the short, dumpy ones, they get picked on, you know, and I think, you know, just children, look, yeah, we can be, as humans, we can be, uh, you know, so good yet so mean. Yeah, you know? so cruel, and I think as kids especially, you're really, like, implementing and testing different behaviours to see where you fit. Yeah, absolutely, it's that social, social yeah. know, pecking order to a point. But I think it was Maslow theologian who said you know the hierarchy of needs and one of those is you know we all want to be loved yeah um so growing up as a child yeah you know I, I wanted to be loved and i was different and then i think as i got older into you know through primary school i used to be the class clown to try to gain that that attention yeah um was that do you feel like it was to gain the attention for a trait other than what you were born with or something uh, that you viewed was different. Yeah, look, you know, I think um, you know if you if you go you know deeper into psychology and things, I think you know possibly uh, you know, maybe that rejection factor um, that uh, mum and dad parted ways. Um, well, you know, when you sort of get to the age of being coherent or understanding of you know what's going on in life, um, I think there was that part of me that used to think, well, maybe maybe dad split because he had a child that was born, you know. Yeah different you know i can't imagine that would have been easy to take on especially as a kid mm. or a, a teen oh look, absolutely absolutely uh, my father he was in the navy came out of the navy and he used to work for the security um um one of the payrolls and things then he was a bus driver um yeah he was in the navy for many years with with my uncle as well so these guys um yeah it's th th that lifestyle i think and then the pressures of, of being away um but uh, yeah, my mum, diehard love for him, would always take him back. Um, but as a child, I think, you know, a lot of us have, 
separated parents and, and you can develop that sense of rejection that well, well why did they leave you know if you know you know didn't love me enough you yeah. know or you know didn't you love me you know did just you not like me you know it's just too hard you know so you split you know yeah thanks a lot mate you know so you, you go through that part but yet there's the other part wanting that sense of identity of where you came from yeah um so you, you part of you hangs on to that as well um so socially, growing growing up with one arm, it's um, yeah, just uh, I was just went hard. So I learned how to kick a football, and I got good, strong legs, and I could boot a footy real well. Um, yeah, you know, could bounce it on the run a little bit. I could mark on the run and catch a ball on the run. So I just found different ways of doing things. That's amazing. Swing a baseball bat. Um, wasn't such a great hitter. Uh, certainly pitch one. Uh, spin bowler because of the shape of my arm from the elbow down. Uh, my wrist actually doesn't bend backwards like everyone else, so I couldn't bowl like like you you would bowl straight down the middle of the pitch. Yeah. I'd bowl, and as it came out of my hand, it naturally came out spinning sideways. Nice. So <laughs> I was an outside, yeah, it did spin on the outside, and yeah, you know, I was pretty deadly as a bowler. So that's pretty cool. So even as a kid, you were pretty resilient. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I just wanted, yeah, I had to, just needed that to be as good as everyone else and, and was I that th- something that was instilled in you by your mum at all did she treat you any different yeah because of being born with one arm or no no i think um that's, my poor mum <laughs> bless her heart love her heaps she's still here today um she's a walking saint we uh, we sort of also grew up in a church environment yeah uh, so we had some good people around there's some male role models there as well which also helped us um because being a single parent family, you know, mum was working part time, raising three kids. You know, it's not a lot Damn. of money to be around, so, uh, and you know, you look back and you think, my God, you know, she must have self sacrificed so much to go without, because every we all had, we all had decent clothes, we all had this new school bag. So you know, looking back on that, you know, my heart just yeah cries out to her. Yeah, mum, if you ever hear this post, I love you heaps, <laughs> always will. <laughs> you, you gave your all, um, but the. That social thing growing up is is it's, it runs deep, it runs deep, um, and you just fought. Well, I fought, um, so I grew up fighting. You know, yeah, fighting for my place in, in in socially to, you just want to be accepted. So yeah, and if I boot a footy and everyone goes, yeah, mate, good kick. Oh, you beauty. So that stirred me up, and that gives you that buzz. Yeah, and and I, I think most people resonate with someone who is overcoming their own obstacles and achieving. Like even if it is just kicking a footy, like that's that's pretty big time. And for your peers, that would have probably been like something to cheer at. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Um, you got a good friend of mine, uh, Sammy Munira, uh, Nolamara. He um, <coughs> he was always yeah. We reconnected some time back, and um, he was saying, "Oh, mate, you're just amazing as a kid. You know, you could do anything. You gave everything a go." Um, and I did. Um, and Socially, I had a lot of frustrations, but um, so grade five, I think halfway through grade five, I was, you know, mum was trying to, you know, I don't know whether it's an age where your hormones, your body starts changing, whatever, you're getting ready for high school and all that social environment. Um, my grades weren't great because I was yeah. so busy being class clown that trying to get attention and you know, I just didn't focus. I wasn't focused in class, so my grades weren't great. So there's another thing, getting measured by, well, if you got A's, you're 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 the good kid. You're the successful kid. You're the normal kid. Yeah. You know, well, you're getting B's. That's not so great. Or elementary's, elementary credit, if you're lucky. 
and so you, you get that stigma attached to you and this is what I think um, yeah, the education system I think you know I'm not for everyone gets a price you know no. I believe in that because then you're rewarding for yep. not hard work you're not rewarding for achievement you're rewarding for social acceptance to, to make sure everyone's happy no kids offended I'm not sure I agree with that one um, yeah. but you know I won't get into that debate with <laughs> <laughs> no, it's def- I definitely agree I, I'm not a fan of the educational model yeah especially schooling the schooling system yeah I mean we everyone need- learns differently absolutely yeah absolutely we need the basics of education so we can actually yeah. un- you know read write communicate yeah. add up you know, no. Learn how to control our emotions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's that part. I was, I was, uh, I guess, started to get frustrated through grade four, grade five, um, and then you know, I yeah, it was just I remember mum trying to pull those reins in on me, and oh, I was no, 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 you can't put reins on me, and don't rah rah rah, I'd argue, and I and you know, I can't remember what we argued about, but I remember had my two older sisters. Um, yeah, one was you know, probably about you know. 15, 16 by then, you know, it's about 12 and I'm the younger kid and, um, you know, so I remember having chucking tantrums. I remember screaming the house down, rah, 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 and all this, whatever that, whatever that was about, you it's, you couldn't dominate me, you know, and mum wasn't trying to dominate me, she was just trying to bring up a child and, and say, hey, no, that's not acceptable behaviour. Yeah. And I just buck up and, you know, I remember kicking the door, I remember kicking the wall, the plaster wall, putting a hole in it and, you know, as a tantrum kid and so, I went through this phase there in before high school where it was just, I don't know, I was just frustrated. And and a part of that, I think, was also maybe I, I was becoming aware that my other kids are getting the trophies at school. Okay. The kids are getting, oh, well, no, I, even though I had two good legs, I was never a runner. So I never got anything for that. Yeah. I was always last or, or not far from being back. Um, and, you know, it's, <clears throat> or, you got the two two teams. We're all going to go play sport, soccer, footy, whatever it is, and then you got to pick teams. Okay, well, I'll pick George, and I'll pick them, and I'll pick that, and there's there's Dave standing at the end of the line with the big, tall carrot top and the short, dumpy kid. Oh, okay, where the kids are the left last. There's the re- rejection factor. Yeah. It's like, oh, great, no one loves me. Yeah. So, no, man, no I can, I can imagine that would hurt the ego hurt your self-worth how you value yourself oh self-worth rejection everything and it stirs up all those things i think from when i was one two years old yeah when dad wasn't around even though i may not be aware of it children in that early ages when a parent does leave the home there's that separation yeah and then the insecurities that may come with that now i'm not a psychologist and i certainly don't have a full understanding of that side of thing all I can say you know is that's how you know I've, I've seen children go through that yeah well you know I've met a lot of people who have like been born with their father punching the stomach and then them coming out as a result of that mm. and you know when they go back through therapy and timeline therapy they find out that a lot of their trauma is needing acceptance because they felt like they weren't good enough from stuff like that so I I do like go along with that belief that we do hold on to a lot of that trauma, a lot of that rejection it's that a good we word get for as it. children. Trauma, yeah. That, that's uh, I think that's exactly what it is. It's probably not, not a word that you hear too often, but yeah, you know, the rejection. <coughs> so the trauma of it. And I remember one um, one of my um, 
friends um, who I've reconnected with recently from primary school days, bumped into him and we were having a good old chat and he goes, yeah. He said, mate, I remember you got a tough. And I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah, no, I remember you running home from school, mate, crying, you get teased so much. And I said, really? Did I really? And so the trauma, I think, looking back, and I actually don't remember too much of that. Man, that's crazy. Which means psychologically, you you block it out. You don't want to know about it. It's too painful. It hurts. And so yeah. if you you block it out, it's in there. Yeah. And you, you've got to, sooner or later, when you get under pressure, I'll talk about that a little bit later about some pressure when I was, you know, when we started getting into real estate. And, um, but I think, yeah, we went through that phase. Yeah. Now, you, I, but even though, like, it's, it's crazy that you can bury that sort of, I guess, I guess trauma again from childhood because most of people's insecurities would be based around what they experienced growing up through childhood, trying to get that social acceptance. But, like, I think what you're going to say was that even though you have buried it, it's got to come up at some point, especially when you do find yourself in pressure situations, when you don't know how to release or vent mm. appropriately. And you know, unless you actually dig deep and look at situations like that and try and work through them, no matter how hard they are, um, man, they're going to come back and bite you. Yeah, and when they do, it's, it comes out of times you're down left field sometimes because there's other pressures that you, especially as men, I think we're all taught, don't cry, mate, toughen yep. up, toughen up, princess. You know, and depending, you know, who your parents were. I mean, some fathers are pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't have a dad around, so I had mum. So I didn't have the toughen up kid. I had the get away with heaps kid. Yeah. And my poor mum, um, bless her heart, um, yeah, she's in tears many times, you know, trying to bring up the child, you know. And we've raised two daughters, and we've had times where, you know, love my daughters to the hilt, and um, you know they're both, you know, incredibly successful um, people, and and watching them grow in their in their mid late twenties now as they're starting to, I guess as you would say, blossom into into a a woman woman, you know, as we grow up and they're strong, and yeah. I told I told them both, um, follow your heart, just follow your heart, don't be a sheep, you know, you can be a sheep and follow the rest of the crowd, but follow your heart, you know what's right and what's wrong inside. And that's, you know. that's the best message I think you can give a kid. To follow your heart, but try and use your brain to make yeah. smart decisions along the way. That's the tricky part. Yes. Um, but getting back to that school part, yeah, grade five, grade six, tantrum kid, kicking walls, arguing with mum, started to see a counsellor, social mum said, oh, I can't deal with this. And we were in a ch- family church environment. Yeah. I remember talking to the to the preacher and... and um, you know, trying to work through that. Um, then after the, the counselling through the education system, got a counsellor because whatever awesome. was going on at school was I was starting to play out. I was trying to get you know get in trouble. Then I was starting to buck up against the teachers, just rebelling. Yeah, I guess. And um, um, and I guess a lot of people around me trying to figure out. Oh, the poor kid, with one arm. Yeah, he's got some issues there. You know, looking, you know, he's struggling. You know, we've got to try and help him through this. And you know, because you know, I had caring teachers in Nolamara in Perth you know that that, were, that was a great primary school and I think it still is um, because they had caring it's a caring culture in that school yeah um, but moving along we decided well maybe it was best I'd go off to a boys home okay. and maybe they could just give mum a break and so she wouldn't have a meltdown because I think she was having a meltdown <laughs> um, poor thing yeah poor thing she's an absolute 
saint. Um, and so, yeah, off to um, off to a boys' home I went um, for the next year, and it was that's wow. Okay, now I'm you know, I'm a god. I'm not at home. There's these strangers around me. I've just been picked up and dropped in this environment. It's like I'm in jail. <laughs> and, and well, it was jail, but you know there were rules. Yeah. And those rules were rules. You, so you're disciplined if you didn't follow them. Well, you just knew that you could sense um, that there's this authority there, and oh, okay. And then you watch a couple of kids, and oh, they get lined up. Oh man, they get like oh, they man, they like getting six of the best. Shit. Holy crap. <laughs> well, okay. I don't keep my mouth shut around here. So, so you get so you go from this free reign where you get to cause havoc at home and at school to going to boarding school. Yep. And then Best having the potential of getting your ass whooped. <laughs> uh yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah, I remember, you know, we a couple of us uh, run a muck in the in the dorm and 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 uh the big boss man uh, walks in and wait. Oh, poo. Okay. Lines us all up. And I'm thinking, oh no. Oh my God. He's going to pull the strap out. I'm going to get the strap. Oh my God. And anyway, and, and so in my head, I'm thinking, this is when you grow up with one arm and you can't go fist to fist with somebody. Yeah. Um, you learn to navigate around them. And then I became very good at verbally navigating around people and getting to feel sorry for me <laughs> and make allowances for me. Yeah. So anyway, I'm standing there and I remember, I can't remember, I think it was about five or six or so, I think it was something like that. Anyway, one kid puts his hand out, whack, other hand, whack, another hand, whack, three, you know, three on each, lines me up and I just looked at him and he probably, I probably had that little poor puppy, please love me. Look, and he's gone, put your hand out. And I got, oh no. And I'm thinking, this strap was the old school strap. It wasn't just like a strap that we use on our jeans. This yep. is a strap and it's about a centimetre thick of leather. <laughs> this thing's going to hurt. It's going to come down weight. And um, I also put my hand out and he gave me a little whack. <laughs> <laughs> and it still stung. Uh, but he's probably looking at it thinking, oh, I like this little hand with a thumb and two fingers. I better not hit this too hard. <laughs> I don't know. But... Um, so anyway, I have, have my little whack on the hand. It's like, oh, wow. So, ow, that hurt. Oh, no. Okay, consequence for my actions. Yeah. But the other thing was I just got treated like everyone else. That's cool. And I these are the funny things you remember later on in life when I look back on it while we're having this conversation. And, and you know, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity because it's actually reminded me of some of the things in my life that uh, that we can – we spend so much time looking at things that happen to us and we don't look at sometimes the payoff or the benefit of those things. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say lately that things don't happen to us, they happen for us. Oh, I was just about to say that. Aaron <laughs> Sansoni, one of my mentors, um, he's a big sales king in East Coast Australia. Um, yeah, definitely. He, um, yeah, that's, he, um, yeah, great mentor. He actually helped me through the challenge the, there a couple of years ago, and that was exactly that phrase. Um, it definitely helped me get through a very, very difficult um, business situation yeah. a couple of years back. Uh, and to look at it and think, wow, I'm so much stronger. Okay, 
didn't work out whatever reasons you know things like that and we, you know, I won't get into detail on that one but we sometimes get involved and in thinking well this is going to be the dream opportunity road and oh, oh hey hey or this ain't what I thought it was going to be see you later pal yeah. a- and you move on <laughs> um, but anyway back to the boys school so I did that the other thing while I was there we learnt that there is consequence for our actions and I'd sit there in classroom, be daydreaming, looking out the window. Next minute, it's like, oh, they'd grab the back of your hair on the back of your neck and, and give it a good fair yank. And it's like, oh, uh, okay. So there's this real sharp impact. And it wasn't like, didn't pull your hair out, but you just, oh, it wakes you up and teaches you to focus. Yeah. We ha- I had to learn how to write. I said, your handwriting is crap. And I was like, well, you know. I've only got, you know, just how I write, and I've only got a couple of fingers thinking, oh, don't be so hard on me. Yeah. So I'm so used to that, like you said, came out, I get away with everything, to, no, we're going to teach you to be a normal human being. We're going to teach amazing. you to be responsible. We're going to teach you there's parameters. We're going to teach you to discipline. And I remember the, pe- the paper with three lines. And Brother Tom, walk and say, great bloke. Um, yeah, it's just, nope, do it better. Oh. God, so my whole life up to that point was so used to getting away with average. Yeah, that's acceptable. And now I had to learn to be disciplined. So, so I went through that period of time, and that was um, yeah, a bit over a year. And it's like I think one of the biggest things that come from that is that you learnt that you could be just like everyone else, and you could do. Shit, just like everyone else, if you stop, like, self-limiting. Stop limiting yourself and yeah. using what was wrong as an excuse to yep. get by. Absolutely. And to underachieve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that was a good time. I remember <coughs> the good times. And, um, uh, you know, being in a boys' school, had a lot of, you know, yeah, there's a lot of strict things, but there's also a lot of reward. You know, you had to do your chores. You had to make your bed. You had to do all that sort of thing. And, um, you know, um, you know, I was lucky, uh, you know, it was... At the tail end of um, all those boarding schools, you know, where you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of eyes and social um, public schooling education departments all on it. So, um, you know, I know there's um, some guys went through. I think it's probably more so in the in the high schools or some of those you know, Catholic boys' homes where they had some issues there. And sadly, to anyone's listening to this, if you've been through any of those and you've been a victim of any of those um, that those sad situations that have occurred in in that in the catholic church it's um you know you you can get past all that stuff you know and you know um through the grace of god yeah you know well i was never touched um and um you know it's just uh i never saw it i was never aware of it um so you know count my blessings on that one um and i think like most yeah i think there's just the rare the rare ones out there probably that that uh you know unfortunately became victims but you know, if you carry that victim mentality, as hard as it is sometimes to face those things in life, I think we all have things in life. Yep. You know, it's whether you were the tall kid, the kid with one arm, the kid that was you know played with or something, and they're they're pretty devastating things. Yeah, you know, you know, I make no mistake of that, and I'm certainly you know don't have a full comprehension of the far-reaching impacts of those things. I'm not a psychologist. What I do know is. Every day you've got a choice. Yeah. Every day you've got a choice, and people say, "Oh man, you're so inspirational. You're so, you know, this, yeah, you, you know, you just, you know, invisible, you're unstoppable." I said, "Yeah, well, I'm unstoppable because I get up every day. Doesn't mean every day's easy. I'll tell you right now, there's been days where I've sat on the side of the bed and cried. 
<laughs> you know, um, when you just think, oh my God, you know, the world's coming to an end. I can't do this. Yeah. This is all too hard. Yeah, and you're so inspirational because you get up every day and you choose to be. You choose to keep putting in the work and cheap, uh, keep progressing and leveling up to a point where now you are inspirational. Yeah. We are doing things that people and that's my passion. think are impossible. That's where I get my energy from. Is, is And I think in real estate is, um, you know, that's one of those things in real estate. You know, every time you, you know, help a seller sell a property, you, you've helped them achieve something. A- and on the other side, you've got to buy who you've helped them achieve, you know, buy their dream home or uh, their first home. I mean, that that's, that's they're the gold when I see the, the happiness on young people. Um, you know, getting their first home, and it's all so scary and everything and daunting. I've never forgot the first day I did. <laughs> Sat there and wiped my palm, my hand on my jeans before I picked that pen up because I was crabbing myself. Um, but yeah, back to the school thing. Yeah, got through, got through that, and um, it's went back home and started to push those parameters again. Okay, because suddenly the rules weren't there so much, and you go back to the environment, and yeah, like I was nowhere near as bad as I was. Yeah. But, you know, you start to hit into the, you know, first year high school, hormone changes, all your mates, they all, you know, buffing up, getting sports, and you start to get into this, you know, the boy manly thing, we're all turning into young men. Yep. And then they're all the girls. And, you know, you used to have a crush on girls and a couple of girls in class, but always in your head thinking, oh, you know, she's never going to get a girlfriend because I've got one arm. That, that's a scary thought. You know? And... um. Yeah, and anyway, I went out. I remember this one girl, um, and yeah, sort of went out to the speedway a couple of times, and you know, pretty much, yeah, yeah, very short relationship as okay. you do in high school. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the first one. Probably <laughs> lasted about you know, probably you know, about four weeks. We went out four times, <laughs> um, and yeah. So then, then off you go through high school again. So that was probably the only girlfriend I really had in high school. Um, and so you go through that period, and then I struggled again, struggled to get good grades, and just wasn't focused. And so you developed, or I developed, a mentality of being dumb. I used to think, oh, geez, maybe it's like, you know, that that famous Afro-American speaker Les Brown. He goes, oh, you know, I was do- uh, was it uh, labelled educatively mentally retarded? Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't labelled that, but I used to think, oh, geez, you know, it must be dumb, dumb bum, you know, because it's my grades are like basic, basic, and elementary credit. And I think that's the, that's like when we were talking about the educational system, that's the flaw in it, is because if you aren't achieving the grades by learning a certain way with a certain structure, then you are perceived as less than everyone else. And that's where that hole is in the education system, I think, where um, there's a program called Step Up, yeah, um, which was founded by a chap by the name of Michael Sheargold, who was also one of my previous mentors and did his boot camp in real estate, and that's some of my formal training there. Um, and he founded this program for teenagers called Step Up. He got into the schools, awesome program, and he will get um, successful people from different walks, either business people or sports people, and they'd be come and do some speaking, be little mentors for these kids, and they'd do a two-day weekend. That's cool. And he brought it to Perth one time, and I thought, oh, my God, yes, finally somebody's doing something for these kids in, in high school because these kids in high school that they have no hope They've lost faith. They've, they, um, you know, kids are, they're having coming from families that are breaking up or families that aren't breaking up, but they're all both working. There's no time for the kids and all these different things we do in life, and we all get too busy. 
And, um, you know, and I paid my price. Don't worry about that. I paid a big price. I remember walking in to say goodnight to my daughter in the early years of real estate, working my butt off early morning and late nights. And it dawned on me that it was a hot summer night. She was laying on top of the bed and she was already asleep as they often were when I got home. And I, you know, I, I raced home. And I tried, oh, I've got to try and get home at least to say goodnight to my daughter for a change. You know, I was starting to feel bad about it. And I remember standing there at the doorway and looking at her and she was laying on top of the bed and I, and it, I was just dumbfounded. It just stopped in my tracks and looked at her and I thought, oh my God. How did you get that long in relation to the size of that bed? Yeah. And I suddenly realized, when did you grow that big? You know? And it's like, oh, uh, that's not healthy. And, you know, they're those things in life you get too busy. But yeah. these kids in high school, I went through high school, did all that, finally got through high school, got to the end of third year high school, year uh, 10. Um, other kids were going into year 11 and year 12 and they were the smart kids um, and then the guys who didn't have good grades in year 10 went out and got apprenticeships and jobs and things yeah I was the kid that was year 10 not going into fourth year and um, so they had at Belga High School a course called the alternative course they started that was the kids who had potential wanted to do more wanted to do more needed to do more i.e. grades basic 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 elementary credit and went back and did 30 high school again with the core focus mainly on the core subjects we needed and we had a surfing option that was our sports option <laughs> made to school at 6 o'clock in the morning nice. out with a bodyboard you know or 5.30 in the morning and a couple of surfing teachers and yeah that was great that was, that was awesome social environment because I was a great bodyboarder. I've got two strong legs. Yep. I don't need two arms to paddle. <laughs> you know, uh, Maybe I should write a book that. Don't need two arms to paddle. One will do. It's a good title. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always thought about writing a book called Selling Single-Handed <laughs> or Single-Handed Success. Uh, one day I'll write them. Um, but there was that social environment that fed that. And I was, you know, yeah, you know, suddenly Dave's pretty cool. He's hanging out with these guys and we're all surfing. And, you know, in some of those ways, you know, end of winter, it's, they got up pretty big. And but I had no fear. I was fit as a bull. Legs were slight, yeah, hydros. You know, just pump them. <laughs> and uh, so that was good times. But the high school got to the end of that. I did get my grades up. Uh, they weren't A's, um, but they were all intermediates and intermediate credit. So... It proved that, well, maybe it wasn't dumb. And, well, phew, got through that. Now what? Oh, crap. Here's a real world. I'm going to get a job. God, what's a job? What, what sort of job? What, what can I do? You know, where kids are going in, oh, I'll be a bricklayer, a carpenter, and they go, well, you can't be a bricklayer and two arms. And, well, you probably could, but, you know, it just, um, funny how people look from the outside. Yeah. And go, well, this is who you are, what you are, what you've got, i.e. right now. So therefore, you can only do this, this, this. So now everyone else was limiting you as well. Yeah. So you just had this constant thing. And I think this is this is the whole battle in life is, you know, um, do you limit yourself? Um, I get into this crazy motivation speaker 
Super Sales King of America, Grant Cardone. Yeah. Now. I love his accent. People can't see it because <laughs> we're on a podcast. But what's on my socks? 10X. 10X. Grant Cardone's saying <laughs> 10X. But I don't even wear the socks because it's, it primes your brain in the morning. So, you know, I've got my affirmations I got stuck into recently again, which just flipped, the, flipped my whole attitude around within three days flat. Yeah. You know, because people say, how are you so motivated? Well, I'm not always motivated. You know, he said, you know, I'm human. You know, I get blindsided by things. You know, people let you down. People rip you off. People don't pay you back. Or a multitude of things. So, um, you know, my whole life, you know, pretty much in those early days is all about fighting against the current. Yeah. You know, and, and um, it's a bit like the Japanese koi tattoo where, you know, this symbolises... Koi is the str- one of the strongest fishes that will swim against the current, against the current of life with determination and persistence um, without giving up. And then it gets to the end and it's only the strongest will then leap, like a big leap of faith up that waterfall, what they call dra- Dragon's Gate, I think they call it, and then they evolve into the, the flying dragons. That's so cool. Yeah, and that's what that a koi actually represents. Oh, I've never known that. Strength, awesome. determination, <laughs> courage, and finally the attainment of goals. Yeah. And um, do I have two do? Yeah. Do I have one Koi on the side? Yes. And that's why. It wasn't because all my mates got one. Because all my mates got one in their 20s. I didn't do that till a lot later. Yeah. When I suddenly went, yeah. And of course I was terrified what my mum would say anyway. So... <laughs> <laughs> So we do was like yeah, it took me till I was like late forties before um yeah, it's like, um hi mum. She goes, Yes, I've heard. Give me a look. She goes, Oh, it's not too bad. <laughs> so I always spent my whole life in fear, which is just dumb, you know. Um but you know, getting back to high school, got out of high school and I remember something where we're sitting there, went up to social security and you go, Okay, well, you know, you haven't got a job so you register for unemployment so you can get unemployment benefits and I think, oh, and if you're still living at home, I reckon you should like delay that to stop people going into unemployment straight away. Yeah. No pain, no gain. No unemployment, you're living at home, get a job. No, no. Sorry about anyone who's listening to this if you're on unemployment, mate. I've been there on unemployment too, so you know. Um don't 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 give me don't judge me too harshly on that. But you know, some people are on unemployment because they're really in life is just been such, you know, through different challenges they're in the, in that space yeah and, and it's hard and yeah you, you know that's why we have that's why we have some support systems there in our country to help people through those periods of time too um but so off to you know try and get a job geez what am i going to do and they're saying i remember someone saying um well maybe you could look at the uh you know the pension because you got one arm so disability pension i'm like i don't know it's just rated to my very bone that oh hell no 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 you aren't gonna throw me down a hole that's sort of like that's for for an old person to go on pension it's like you no longer have anything to give back to society you're you're (laughs) no longer a value so here we're going to give you money to do nothing well, and it's, saying it's, that to um, someone so young, we're going to give you, we're going to put you on a pension because you're not capable. Yeah. You know, you're not. Yeah, you know, you just. I'm sorry, mate, but you know, you, you. I remember sitting 
God, where did I hear it? I think I was sitting at a dentist Jeez. a few years ago. And this lady, old Italian lady, lovely lady. She was a lovely lady. And she said, oh, how, how do you, were you born with one arm? I said, yeah, I was. She says, oh, you were one of those de defective children. And I heard those words, defective? I said, what the hell? I said, I've never heard that phrase before. But apparently way back then, in, when I was born, um, um, you know, that's what they said. You know, like in England, it was a thalidomide. Um, thalidomide drug that was given to women for morning sickness oh, to, wow. to stop morning sickness but the spin-off effect was or the side effect was yeah the deformities and in England there, there were hundreds hundreds of kids born with deformities um, and then this you know, tablet went out worldwide I think, I think it was I haven't really looked into it too much but uh, I think it was a German company so anyway they finally shut it down in England but they were still getting pumped out in Australia and pumped out in America and Canada wow. and around the world and they finally shut it down eventually, you know, because they're going, well, no, it can't be us, can't be us. I mean, billion dollars, hello. You know, well, we all know what multi, multi, multi billion dollar corporations do. Oh, no, it's not our fault, but we'll kill you <laughs> in the process. Just change the name, man, it'll be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. So, um, yeah, so a lot, a lot of people do ask, you know, oh, were, you a, were you a thalidomide child? And I say, well, no. Um, to the best of my knowledge, no. Um, got married, had children, things, and. You know, I went and checked all the medical records. I had nothing there except to say, um, you know, a possible cause of birth defects may have been contributed by mother having severe boils in early pregnancy, something to do with high toxin levels okay. may have contributed. Could be anything, you know. There's a lot of things out there in, in our world that's, you know, toxic, nasty things, chemicals, stress, maybe because my mum, you know, um, you know, parting ways, semi-parting ways with dad at the time. Um, you know, it's maybe, maybe that... Might have been a cause. Who knows? Yeah. Um, when did I? You, know, you asked me earlier. You know, when did I come to terms with having one arm? Well, yeah, that that's part of it. You know, um, it's like, well, yeah, okay, so it happened. <laughs> so what? You know, well, I, I can't grow another one. Well, I don't know, we're getting close to it. I think <laughs> yeah. technology. We sort of joke about that one too. So you know, go and grow an arm or bolt one on to be like that. That's full bionics. I probably wouldn't know what to do with it. I'd probably smack myself on the head while I'm trying to get a drink. Yeah, crush a glass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dave, can I get another one? Yeah. Um, also, you've got you've got up to this point. You've gone through <coughs> um, primary school, mm. high school, boarding school. You've gone through the whole social anxiety, like wanting to fit into certain peer groups, and your behaviour matching that as well as you try and navigate your way into fitting into one of those groups. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, like learning that you're limiting yourself when you go to boarding school, learning that you could be and act normal, and then having this discipline instilled into your life, but also taking that resilience. You now get told that maybe you should go on the pension instead of going for a job. Um, and I'm guessing like this, after this point, is where you start, like you said, accepting finally accepting who and what you are. Mm. Can you sort of run us through your recovery from that point? Which sure. I, which I think you said was in your 20s? Yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> oh, just one quick thing going back to the how we crave for that attention. Yep. We crave for love. So we crave for that's a, a form of attention. We crave for it and it all comes back to you know, wanting to be needed, loved, wanted. Uh, when I was at the boarding school, we had trampolines there. We were on that every afternoon. Every afternoon, I didn't need two arms to trampoline. And I did learn how to do double front somersault. Wow. Back somersault. 
front somersault with a twist. We used to call them, I think it was called a Barani. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> yeah. what that is. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. So uh, that's pretty, you know, split my head open on it too because we had the steel, steel ring and yep. I tried, well. I Broke my arm on one too. Oh, <laughs> cool, tra- fellow trampoliner. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you push the boundaries. Yeah, that's what the sport's about. Um, so that was that. In So I left school. What are your jobs? Like, hell no, don't want to do that. Um, um, through that period, um, got a job at Myers. My mum used to work at Myers part-time. Okay. And um, so, yeah, went in there for an interview, and then I thought, well, okay, I'll give him a job as a sales assistant. Cool. Don't need two arms. Don't need two arms to sell. So I did that. Um, and during this period of time in my life as well, I was also um, had started roller skating. My big sister Sylvia, uh, Sally's not no longer with us today, but she um, used to take me roller skating. And funnily enough, the building you and I are sitting in right now, yeah, Pier Street, City of Perth, used to be a roller skating rink upstairs. <laughs> so how's that for like circle life, eh? That's like wow, this just blows me away now. Roller skating, two legs, very fluid, awesome balance, push boundaries. So um, and then yeah. Went, Perth went through that era where roller skating came came on and they started opening up roller skating rinks. And I loved it and I was great at it and I was on it whenever I could. And of course, the kid with one arm was getting there, got in suite with the DJs and, and all the owners and that. And you know, they gave me a lifetime pass. You beauty. You couldn't stop me getting to that rink. I had road skates. If mum couldn't drop me off there, I was hitchhiking. Uh, I got picked up by some weirdo dude too one time. He was asked, started asking some weird questions. I said, yeah, well, you just better wear my roll skate in your face. But, uh, <laughs> mate, you just dropped me off here. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm not sure. He was a bit weird. I think he was yeah, one of those predator-type dudes. I don't know. But, yeah, <laughs> got out of that car. Um, I got really, really good at roller skating. We're talking about when did I come to acceptance of having one arm. I got on that roller skating rink, so, and I was getting good. And I could do the spins, and I could go backwards, and I got speed skates, and then I could do drop, do the splits, do full-on spins, and I started to do a thing called what they call rexing, which was disco dancing on roller skates. Yeah. And I got good at it, and then I got great at it, and so it was one of those things about I was in the spotlight, big time. Because everyone's going, wow, mate, you're so good at that. Wow. You just please play the wow, yeah. You know? Um, and I loved it. I lived it, breathed it, loved it because it fed everything about being wanted, needed, appreciated, acknowledged, self esteem. I was great at something. Everyone's just going, wow, they, hey, Gabe, how you going? I was just, so I had this social environment now, and I was normal. And I was hanging out with the dudes, we were hanging out, you know, we'd go to roller skating, we'd go down to the Pancake Kitchen in Morley, so I went to Skateboard, I was a king there, then we had Speedies in Morley, and I was king there, and, you know, um, actually, Jimmy Carton and three other girls, we formed a dance team, and started practicing exhibitions. Yeah. We even did a Jeans West promo for Myers. Cool. Um, the solo, like in front of eleven hundred people. Yeah. And so you know, there's there's this little kid who's crying and craving to be loved, still crying and craving to be loved. 
Um, and from the outside, people just see David Wheeler as an amazing guy. And the chicks, oh, this guy, amazing guy. Yet on the inside, I still don't believe that, well, you know, maybe I'll hook up with some chick sometime. Yeah. And so I was still craving all that. So I was still lonely. And it's this loneliness that you carry. And, and we all carry it for different reasons. Um, so that, you know, that, that was that element. So we really excelled in that. And um, the biggest thing, uh, solo routine I did with, <laughs> with my white pinstripe blue satin pants with a white pinstripe satin top with the cowboy tassels. Uh, um, yeah, that was like pretty wild back in those days. Um, in front of 1,100 people on the Peelathon night. Mm-hmm. at the biggest roller skating rink in Perth, Midland. And I remember going out onto that thinking, like, this is it. This is the top. This is fame. This is, wow. This is daunting. This is starting to scare the crap out of me. So I rolled out on there. Music started. George Benson. And I started skating. And started moving forward and then went to turn around and sat down on my ass <laughs> in front of 1,100 people. And I went, oh, God, no. Went to get up, pushed myself up, skates went straight out from under me again, back down on my butt. <gasps> oh, God. And, like, oh, you know, no. just that whole feeling of, oh, my God, meltdown, anxiety. Like, your body just gets flooded with adrenaline and fear and I don't know what else was mixed up in that. Just that... Oh, okay, yeah, grow up as a little kid getting rejected. Okay, now I'm going to sit in front of 1,100 people and feel crap. Oh, no. And I remember my choreographer coach was Gary. was just over to the right, probably about 15 feet away from the, off the ring. And I was about 15 feet away from the edge of the ring. Mm-hmm. And I heard this word, David. And I've just looked up, looked to my right, squared off eyeball to eyeball and it's like one of those things in the movies where everything on the peripheral vision just zooms out and it's just this one face in the darkness and these two eyes and he goes finish it and I've paused and he goes no shook his head and went you damn will finish it and as I say this you know I just about cried doing this because it stirs up a lot of emotions so anyway I've got up I've gone Composed myself, slowly started to skate off and started to roll, and off I went and did the whole routine flawlessly. Crapping myself, but I instead of doing the big in the air 360 jumps, three of them, I only did two of them because <laughs> I think I don't know, all that drill and flooding through the system is just yeah, just it carried me to the end. So that's one of those things sometimes you've got to confront your fears. I was crap myself, absolutely crap myself, and and I think you know as, as to tell my story, there's probably these little moments in life where it's like, well, you trampoline, yeah, no, worries, man, double front somersault, let's try and do a double front somersault stand position, and and I'll bang, crack your head, split your head off the hospital, bleeding stitches, um, you go back there and do it again, yeah, well, you get smacked and you get back up, yeah, especially for you, like having to overcome so many more obstacles than most people would like having to go through childhood with one arm, you've had to get over a fear 
I'm assuming you'd have to get over the fear of looking silly, even just trying to kick a footy. Yeah. Like when you said you got good at kicking a footy. But with, with this roller skating, I guess the fear there is you were this god at different rinks. You were, you had the social acceptance. You were top of the pedestal in terms of this roller skating here in Perth. Mm. And I guess in this one moment, the fear was, oh shit, if I stuff up, do I lose that acceptance? The acceptance I've been craving this whole time. Yeah. Even though you still felt lonely, it's like that fear of loss. Yeah. I like what you just said too, the feeling of looking silly. And it is. And even to this day, I'm very self-conscious. You know, I want to you know, look good. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> you look good. look sharp, you know. It's like, uh, um, you know, my poor wife, Patrick, you know, I love her dearly. She's... Um, um, yeah, she's an awesome wife, awesome mother. She's, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, marriage made in heaven or something. We're lucky. You know, I was married at 21 and uh, she was 19. And yeah, I'm the expressive one. It's like the Eagles watching the semi-grand final come back on the train. And everyone's like looking down their iPhone and everyone's quiet. And I'm going, man, we should just like rev these guys up and say, hey, woo <laughs> Like this. And she goes, don't you dare. <laughs> so, but, you know, I'm the kind of guy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because just to push myself out of my comfort zone. And we all live in comfort zones. Um, okay, so going moving on from the roller skating, I think you said beforehand that when you really started finding yourself and accepting yourself for who you are, mm. you read a book called, what was it, Say Yes to Your Potential? By yeah, Zig I think Ziggler. it was Say, Say Yes to Your Potential, yeah, Zig Ziglar. So here I am, um, anyway, I'll bump into this chick, Petra. A big joke about that because I was with a mate of mine. He was getting his Father's Day present. There was a little red light flashing in Kmart, red light special thing, and that's how I actually met her. <laughs> so she tells this joke that she met me, picked me up on a red light special. I said, you married for me full of money. She goes, you didn't have any money. <laughs> I said, no, you married me for my potential. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, of course, the first date I said, you know, do you roller skate? <laughs> oh, I'm going to go out there and show off. Oh, like you do, like the big roosters. Yeah. Puff your chest up, fluff those feathers up, do your dance. Woo um, But yeah, so married at 21, she was 19, we were babies, fairy tale wedding, a lot of people supported us. We had like literally next to nothing. Man. We had like 310 people at the wedding. Everyone just donated everything. That, that, sure. That's another story, man. 311 to be exact, that count. And we had 180 bucks in the bank. And we had 311 people there. And we had everything from party pies to crayfish lots of it nice and all the crayfish was on the bridal table of course all your mates coming oh you got crayfish oh I have a piece of that <laughs> so I don't think we actually ate much crayfish though. I think everyone else had that so but yeah look, fairy tale wedding and that was at Pinjarra in big church down there because Petra came from a church group down there in, in um, Pinjarra um, Pinjarra and Mandra mm-hmm. and I was from Perth and she was Jewish group and they both sort of connected yeah um, so that was yeah that was huge but in my 20s so here I am married um Beautiful hotel suite, top of Perth, uh, um, down here called the Merlin, mm-hmm. which is now called the Hyatt. Yeah. Um, that was donated to us to go stay there for our honeymoon weekend. Wow. Um, and cars. Um, there's a chap, he had a car yard. He donated three statesmen for the wedding. He said, oh, by the way, mate, here's a flash card. Go and take it. You can use it for the next couple of months. Take your wife around, new wife around. It's amazing. Because I had a little, little old boxy Cortina. But uh, that was a pretty cool car, though. Mate, that's the first car. It's like, you know, <laughs> Very basic. Pull the carby off and put a nice bigger carby on. So now you got a hot rod. <laughs> um, yep, and so back onto the book. Yeah. So 
on my wedding night, so this leads into this book. On my wedding night, I stood there looking out over the river. Yeah. How I am married. And at the hotel room. And I remember, you know, just got a Coke in my hand and looking out and just pondering, going, wow, okay. If, um, it's a wedding weekend, looking out over South Perth. And I see all these lights. It's beautiful. I look to my wife on our wedding. <laughs> and say, what do you see out there? She goes, yeah, really pretty, a lot of lights. And I just turned around and went, you know what? I see a world of opportunity. And I see a world out there. And I want a big chunk of it. I didn't say I want to go, want to get home one day. Yeah. I said, I want a big chunk of it. So you're not limiting yourself anymore. Wow, it's just a big dream. Mm. And I'm thinking... 21, married, and I'm going, I'm gone, married, wow, what have I done, wow, okay, this is weird, wow, love of heaps, this is good, it feels right, I don't know if you're, you're 21, I don't know if you have, I don't know, for me, I don't think I had a full comprehension of what, what we're doing, but we're going along with the flow, yep. and, um, and and we were obviously a good match, and still married today, um, so from that point in time, um, and I said to her, I said, look, I want it all. You know, I want the wife, I want the kids, I want the house, I want I want the success in life. I want to be successful. You know, I want, I want the whole package. Yeah. Or, or I don't want any of it. And so I don't see the point working your butt off in a job you hate all your life with no time to enjoy life and and end up paying your last payment. This is exactly what I said to her, almost word for word. I said, I don't see the point working your guts out the whole life to pay your last payment on your mortgage to sit around on a pension trying to figure out how you're going to pay the bills and you can't live. Yeah. It's like, it's like almost the definition of insanity. And so I said, like, I'd rather have a shack up the beach. We go fishing and hang out with people. But that was never going to happen. I'm sitting there, a couple of years later married, and a friend of the family's, is a multi-millionaire, very self-made, successful man who was an accountant and his wife started making curtains and that's started a big textile business and i rang him up one day and i was sitting there over in you know two bedroom fiber home in morley wife was at work and i was unemployed again in between jobs it just wasn't working out the last one and still looking for allowances was still flowing on okay. with employers but now it's in the real world. This is the big world. People got like, well, I'm paying you to do a job, man. It's like, you know, you've you got to hit certain standards. Hopefully, I feel sorry for you. You don't have a fat chance on that. Got bills to pay. He, you know, the employer's got bills to pay. Yeah. So, I rang Uncle Dennis up, friend Uncle. He comes around, rolls up in his $200,000 Mercedes. <laughs> I got a $950 car. He's living in a big four-bedroom, fancy balcony house. So I'm living in two-bedroom, rented. Yep. I'm thinking they're worlds apart. So I said, mate, what's the secret? He said, get a piece of paper. Drew a circle, put a plus on one side and minus on the other. He said, there's just law of the universe. Pump the plus and <laughs> just don't be negative. It'll all come back. Law of attraction. Don't cruising around. And That's say, oh. the coolest way I've heard it explained. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, draw a circle. Pump the plus. Pump the plus. <laughs> Pump it hard. Feed the black dog, white dog. Which one are you feeding? Yep. That's where the discipline comes in. When you know what you should be doing and you do the easy thing, which is not the right thing. So anyway, I found this book. I don't even, can't even remember how I got it. I must have been cruising through the Angus and Robbins bookshop or something, spotted the book and went, yeah, cool, okay. Wow, what's that? So it's the potential. Yeah, yeah, get that book. Now, I wasn't a reader in school. I was not a reader. Yep. I can't even remember finishing a book in school. This book, I didn't put it down. I started reading, and it had big letters, so that was easy. <laughs> and it talked in simple language. So um, there was that hunger inside. There was that still that hunger inside wanting to, to achieve in life. So I read this book, and it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe this hope. You can achieve anything in life if you, you, know, you just set your mind to it and, do, and stick at it and all that stuff. And I think, well, okay, maybe, maybe, God, you know, I've got to figure out a way how to do this. Anyway, mate and I, we hung around. We were just partying and surfing and doing not much that summer. Uh, but he got a job and it's like, damn, now I've got no wingman. Okay, boss working. I'm feeling really bad, a bit guilty about this. Okay, better go get a job. So I started making applications and got a job. So I worked in the um, administration, um, got a job in, you know, finance clerk and did some work there and I worked for an organisation and, and ran a small gift shop in town, trained four people there. So because I had a little bit of studies also, I went back to school at night, did some night school and did the first year and a half of accounting and law. Yep. So, and because of the retail background as well, put the two together, perfect job, go run this shop. No worries, I can do that. Four people, oh, they need training too. No problem, I can do that. I don't know the first thing about it. <laughs> but I knew how to build their self-esteem and from there, it all comes back to that. These guys, there's four people there and each one of them actually had several palsy to varying degrees and that none of them believed in themselves. You know, one guy talk, used to look at the ground and walk in with a bad stutter and hardly talk and good morning, David, and wouldn't look at you. Three years later, good morning, David, how are you? And look you in the eye. That's the kind of things in life that's gold because we're all here. We all come from something that's been tough. I was born with one arm. You got two. We've got different backgrounds. Everyone's been hurt at some time, but we've got a choice to stand up and get over that crap. Yep. So that's where I started to believe in myself because I got into that and then I bought, oh, okay, this guy Zig Ziglar. Oh, Google that, Amazon.com. Oh, you can get tapes. Hmm. See you at the top. Oh, okay, what's that one? So I bought this tape and, <clears throat> and, um, and I was now working at Medallia Steel in, back in the sales. And my wife said, you know, always been the happiest when you've been in sales and so yeah i went 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 back in the, into you know trade sales but i listened to this tape because it was really interesting working in the tough boy environment a big warehouse and you know yeah. so it's like rah 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 you know and all the language under the sun and petrus go come home she's david you're starting to swear a lot and I go, yeah yeah sorry because your environment yeah i find that a lot of fifo too yeah absolutely absolutely you know what do they say miner's mouth yeah yeah you know, and um and, and this thing in life it's you know you you become a product of your environment if you, A, don't change your environment, mm-hmm. B, don't strongly discipline to not become your environment if you can't get out of that environment. And this is where you have a choice and people go, oh, yeah, I can't do this, I can't do that, rah, 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 because of this. Well, change your environment. No, oh, I can't do this, blah, 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 I hate this job, man. it's so negative, everyone's bitchy at work, and I say, well, change your job. Oh, I can't change your job, why not? Well, 45, no one's going to employ me. Really? Have you tried? 
So you don't want to put someone in front of me that feels sorry for himself. <laughs> well, I can tell you that right now. Um, because I will build you up. Yeah. You don't put someone in front of me and feel sorry because I'm going to pay out on them. I'll build them up. Yeah. So you Big difference. really started finding like your value and your self-worth and helping others. Oh, absolutely. That's my passion now, big time. And that's where it came. Awesome. Zig Ziglar, pumped into the tape. So I watched, listen to these cassettes every single day on the way to work, every single day on the way home because I wanted more in life. And then I bumped into a guy and he got me uh, into Amway and we started doing Amway and I was oh, that was great. Why? Because I was talking about all these self-help books, how to develop yourself, how to build a business. And so Petra and I built a little team and that was great. We did that uh, for a while. And, um, and then, yeah, sort of dissipated a bit over time. And, um, and then, yeah, cutting, cutting further forward into the um, yeah, real estate world. So, you know, I got out of that because I still wanted more. So I'd worked hard, couldn't go any higher where I was working. I was starting to struggle because of the workload. So I was hitting my limitations. And yep. the guy once said to me, he said, you get promoted, you work hard, and you become great, so they promote you again. You get promoted until the point where you can't get promoted because you now hit your ceiling of yep. potential or ability in a particular field. Doesn't mean you're useless. Doesn't mean you're failing. Doesn't mean you're a dumbass. Just means you've hit your potential in that particular talent. And I had to learn that because that was a sense of failure for me. I'm failing in my job. I can't go. start to stress out. I took the big leap of faith when into real estate. Everyone said, oh, you know, get in real estate. How do you become successful? Yeah, go do this, do that. You know, do some door knocking. Oh, no worries. I can do that. Come from the steel industry. I'm a big tough boy. <laughs> Pulled up on the street never forget the house about 3.30 in the afternoon beautiful spring day birds are chirping not many cars around so surreal got out of my car locked the car door all my dreams are in front of me I went oh crap I can't do this and literally 38 years old I'm going man I've got to just like one of those movies again looking at the door then everything else zoomed out and it's just a big giant door like a horror house I was terrified absolutely terrified because now I went into real estate because I wanted to be able to stand on my own two feet and make a name for myself my wife as a man as a husband that was just in me whether it's right or wrong I don't know but that's what was driving me still for that looking for that ultimate I'm okay I think that's primitive it's primitive Mm. to be the male to be dominant to be the provider I think when men lose that trait where they are valued for providing, that's when they fall into stuff like depression. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, and yeah, hello. Guess what I did? Went home. I didn't knock on that door. Oh, okay. I got back in that car. I drove home and I sat on the side of my lounge, sat there and virtually glassied eye, odd little tear and going, oh my God, what have I done? I've quit my job. I've jumped into this. What an idiot. You know, oh, what am I going to do? My mentor sales manager rings me up hi Dave how you going just sort of give you a quick call check in on you how you doing oh yeah not so good mate oh how's the door knocking on yeah yeah not so good have you done any <gasps> I was waiting for that question uh no mate uh Mel I was terrified I was uh, mate I just I don't know mate I was froze up I don't know what to do mate I'm scared I'll be honest mate I'm absolutely crap myself he says there's a difference between leaders and bosses Dave you're not the first thing person that's happened to you won't be the last. I just need to hold your hand. Mate, you got so much potential. I just got to hold your hand and get you going, mate. You'll be fine. We'll catch up tomorrow. Grab your bodyboard. Go for a surf and think about all the things in life you want because you can have it all. Oh, my God, cool. man. You're hitting to that core. 
you are hitting to that course, smart man. Went back out the next day with him, did some door knock, and he goes, right, you did that side of the street. Oh, really? By myself? Yeah, I'm not going to get beaten up. I'm right here. Okay. Hi, how you going? My name's David Weir. I'm a real estate agent. You want a free appraisal? Uh, no, thanks, mate. Okay, see you later. <laughs> and I felt like I was so awkward, out of my environment, stick in the mud, felt like a salesman. But then after a while, I got the hang of it. And it's like, hi, how you going? My name's Dave. Just doing the rounds, doing the PR thing. You know, just wanted to think you're selling the house, blah, blah, blah. And, and off I went. And eventually, somebody said yes. It's like, oh, really? And that was like like me trying to get a girlfriend. Oh, you want to go out? No, 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 no. Yes, did you say yes? And and so I was off. And then that fueled. Wow, they picked me. Woohoo! Now I gotta sell it. Oh my god! Oh god, I hope I can sell it. I hope I can sell it. I hope I can sell it. And got it sold. Woohoo! They love me. <laughs> ah, they love me. Someone loves me. I've done a great job. This is self-esteem. And now subconsciously, I'm on the road to my dreams threw my heart and soul into it because it's you know it's a bit of a you know black dog white dog it's a bit of a I don't know a bit of yin yang thing on going on there because suddenly I'm in the right place in the right zone and it is feeding all those demons and so it consumed my life and even my boss said be careful of real estate it can you mate it can it, you know it can destroy people it can take over your life if you don't control it yeah and it will force everything it will put you in a position where you're under pressure and it'll force all those little nasties in your life to the surface where you're going to have the opportunity to deal with them or bury them. Getting back to what we're talking about, childhood traumas and all that, yeah. And I guess that's why I keep stepping out of my comfort zone because I always want to grow. Yeah, and that's a powerful trait. That's a powerful trait to have. Mm. That's why I don't give up, you know. Yes, I have hard times. Uh, you know, uh, Vincent Marafro, mate down south, they called him the king of the south, you know, you know, we went and did the Diamond Club thing training together and, you know, the guy's a rock star. You know, he's so damn good at what he does and he, and he keeps on going, oh, Dave, thanks so much for the inspiration. Thanks for, you know, like, uh, for being there when I need you. You know, we had a great chat this morning, had a couple of challenges he was facing, you know, said, well, just wanted my advice on. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, well, cool, great. Go for it. Bang, bang, close deals. Um, yeah. You know, it's he's it, a bit the same, you know. I'm saying, mate, you have any idea how much I admire you and your motivation? I'm just Dave Weir, mate. Okay, yeah, I've got all the big awards and all those sort of things and the trophies sitting on the shelf, but I'm only as good as my next one. And I've never forgotten that. And ego, you know, just I'd never want to let that ego get in the way, you know, because ego will drive you, it consumes your life. I spent a whole year, didn't see my wife, pressures, lonely, out there, making lots of money, not seeing my kids, not seeing my wife, my head starting to get emotionally messed up because I'm just throwing my heart and soul at everybody else yep. and not looking after my backyard and me. And so, you know, you've got to find that balance in life, I think, you know, and I still do. Life's a journey. I don't have it all. I certainly don't have all the answers. I'm certainly not the like the current, the highest selling real estate agent in Australia. Uh, I'm sure I want to be. I, just, I don't know. I just like to have that balance too. You know, I yeah. get out there and I throw my heart and soul into every single customer's deal. You know, it's awesome. And it sounds like you've done that with a lot of the things since you hit your twenties and you started really accepting yourself. Is there anything that you felt lit you up, like roller skating? you just threw your heart and soul into because not, not only did you find acceptance um, from others but 
you could finally accept that you could be bunny ears normal. Yeah, look, I think the roller skating was easy. Yeah. Because I found it easy. You know, it's it was physically easy. And, you know, I didn't have to communicate or navigate or negotiate or hit KPIs or standards. I just got out in the roller skate and, you know, did what I did. And just, I just rolled. But you threw yourself into it by being there every day as much as you could. Yeah, because... I threw myself in. Yeah, I absolutely got there somehow. Because why? Because there was that addiction to the adrenaline, the yep. addiction, you're craving, and adrenaline is a drug like any other drug. You know, I wake up early. You know, I'm not an early riser. You know, this five a.m. club. Yeah, really. Yeah, okay. Look, I'd love to be the five a.m. guy. You know, um, never been a five a.m. guy. Well, I think I wake up at about quarter past five or something this morning. Couldn't go back to sleep, so I was thinking, grab the iPhone. They say, don't grab your iPhone the first thing in the morning, do some meditation or something. I was like, no, man. Oh, yeah, we're all different. I've got the iPhone and put Tim Ferriss on. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, Les Brown or Grant Cardone and just start pumping your head up. And yeah. affirmations is a huge thing that I use now awesome. as well. And the first thing on the top of that list is, I will not speak negatively today. That's powerful. The second one, I will not dwell in the past. I will live in the present. And I'll work my butter for my future and help as many people as I can along the way. Yeah. And I think those two, and there's a whole bunch of other things after that, you know, I'm confident, I'm strong, and I'm disciplined, I'm focused on my goals and blah, blah, blah. But those things there I found by saying that in the morning with conviction, with passion. And sometimes I beat my chest and go, yeah, game on, let's go. You know, it's... Um, yeah, some people use lackey bands. It's this thing. It's it's that psychological thing to to click your brain, connect it with your body to 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 launch forward every day. Um, yep. You know, and I'm 55 years old, and, and I was saying to um, one of the girls here, you know, at this little in the office just a little while while ago, uh, I was talking about a joke about someone I was showing a house to, and I said it's a great environment, blah blah. It's like you know, like for the oldies you know, over 55s, and I'm suddenly going, hang on, I'm 55. <laughs> I think, and I said this to the buyer, I said, oh, like, hang on a second, I'm 55. I said, ah, but I'll be a young 55. I'll still be fine when I'm 95. <laughs> Zig Ziglar was rocking on a, on a rocking horse. I told one of the girls in the office this, this morning, get out there, live life, be crazy. You know, like, you know, don't be irresponsible. But Zig Ziglar was um, bowed up in a shopping center, sitting on a rocking horse with a big Texan hat going, woohoo, yeah, woohoo. Yeah, right at Cowboy and everyone's standing around look at this dude shopping centre manager comes down this is a true story and he says well he says excuse me sir you're, you're going to have to get off that he goes why he goes well you're creating a bit of a disturbance look at all these people and he says and he got off the horse and he looks at the guy he says yeah mate I guarantee you none of them laughed or smiled like that for weeks have an awesome day sir and walked off now he just had a massive impact on people and I think as people, as humans, we need to do that. We yep. need to like, yes, we all carry baggage and we need to deal with that in, in one way or another. Sometimes we need to go and talk to people. People don't talk to people. We're all too scared, too proud, too whatever. And, you know, um, you know, I've, I've lost a sister, you know, and, and that, you know, that, that I carry that. And it, it's painful and sad and it's horrible and yucky, but it is what it is. I can't change it. I can't bring it back, you know. Um, you know, anyone listening to this, yeah, you know, drugs is <laughs> not a great place to be. And and look, you know, I've seen some of our friends in their 20s went down that road, you know. 
and one of them's not long, no longer with us. Yeah. The other one's probably got one foot out the door, you know, and it's like, it's heartbreaking, you know, and, you know, when I didn't understand suicide and things like that, I've never really been to that place. I've been in a dark place, you know, after that year of cracking all the awards and suddenly the world just stopped for me and I had to go and just took three, four days off and said, Pete, I love you heaps, I'm not going to go out myself, but I need some space. Because I was just having a, just about to have a meltdown. I had to find myself. Yeah. And I think it's really, really important that we take time out of our life to do that. When things get hard, just take a step back, go down to the beach, sit there and just just write on a piece of paper the things that you hate, then tear it up. Things you don't want in your life, write them down, tear them up, burn it, do whatever ritual you want to do, get it out. If you wake up in the middle of the night, I have, pa- I have pad and paper next to my bed. I get in the middle of the night, something's struggling. Oh, yeah, oh, you've got to go do that, deal with that. No, Jesus, try and remember. No, you're not going to remember it. Just write it down. You get straight back to sleep. You've got to get it out. Yeah. You've got to get this shit out. And Otherwise, you know, you'll I just keep shit. thinking about it by yourself. Oh, yeah. And it'll get darker and darker. Yeah, yeah, and it does. And, you know, um, yeah, can't touch on that one. It's, you know, sometimes there's things out there where people have done the wrong thing by and you, you're powerless to, to change it. You're powerless to force them to resolve it. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes you just got to go, you know, you just got to, my wife says, Dave, just let it go. Like, just let it go. Easier said than done. It, it's easier said than done. And yeah. we're all human. Okay, so back to yeah. recovery and like you using <coughs> this these motivational books, Zig Ziglar, um, listening to motivational speakers like Grant Cardone, Les Brown. Mm. What would you say you've taken from that style of content and implemented in your life? What have you taken that's sort of impacted you the most with the self-acceptance? And not just self-acceptance, but then propelling yourself forward to achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, I think um, the, what, what I've probably learned there has really been massive help is... Um, coming to terms with I am what I am physically yeah that's it you know the rest um, and how do you do that because for most people coming to terms with what what they truly are is something they probably put off because they're scared to accept it that three four days that I spent by myself in a house down in Wembley it was a friend's house and um, her and her husband said look you know just go and borrow you know Take my here's the keys to Jenkins. It was in Jenkins Street, Wembley. Beautiful, beautiful house. They just renovated. Said there's nothing in there. Yeah. He says, mate, you're quite welcome to. You, know, you need some time out. And so I went there, and and it was interesting. I was sitting there, and what I learned from that, I got to the end of that three days, and thousand texts to the wife saying, it's okay, I love you, hey, blah blah. Just you know, messed up, and just trying to figure figure my way through this maze and life, and it just got all confusing, clouded. And when things get clouded, there's nowhere near as bad as what you think anyway. But but when you're there, it's not, not nice. And, yeah, that was a dark place for me. You know, I wasn't suicidal. And, but, you know, you sit there and go, oh, my God, it's so hard. And what am I doing? How do I get out of this? What I learned from that was I got to the end of it and went, you know what? I had a good mum and I had some good people around me. And I think I've got some pretty good core values. I'm not perfect. None of us are. You know, um, we all make mistakes and that's okay and what I've learned from these guys is you know you've got to have that positive mental attitude number one 
you've got to be focused on and have a you've got to have purpose you've got to have some sort of goal doesn't matter what it is if even if it's something simple you just want to go okay well if I do this and achieve that then here's the reward and that could be something simple as lunch down at the beach yeah you know That's awesome um, it doesn't have to be oh if I do this blah blah I'm going to get a brand new car oh I'm going to buy a brand new you know, boat I went to the boat show it's like yeah here's the dream boat seven hundred and something thousand dollars it's like <laughs> Yeah, okay, look, I'm about 700 and something thousand dollars short. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I do have a boat, and it ain't that one, but you know, take a couple of zeros off the back end of that, and and we're okay. But um, it's it's the belief. It's the belief that I got there and said, I'm okay. You know, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I'm a nice guy, you know. It's like, don't get a, go out of my way to hurt anyone. I, I try to tell everyone yeah, I love them and, and you know, have a great day I walk into the office this morning and I walk up and go how's my favourite ladies They're always looking after me how's your day been how's your weekend I just, I just want to pump someone's life up you yeah. know just really you know let's all get together and just like just be nice just have a goal a day just go and put one smile on one person every day that's awesome just man. one you know and I posted something in, you know last Saturday and I said like uh, Sunday's coming do something special on Sunday, it's a special Sunday. Do something or say something special to make someone feel special. You know, it's not hard, you know. No, and more often than not, they'll reciprocate. Like if you tell someone what you love about Guarantee them, it. They'll, they'll tell you what they love about you and they'll be super grateful. Maybe they really, really seriously needed someone to tell them that, yeah, exactly. you know, you're an awesome person because no one else has told them that for 10 months. Yeah, I don't know how. paid out on them and yeah. they hate it and they're in a bad relationship and they're craving and and they don't got no one to talk to, but yeah, what I learned from that, yeah, you got to believe in yourself, and you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm actually, you know, good person. I'm okay the way I am. I don't need. Oh, that's the thing. Like, I stop living to the expectations and belief systems or belief beliefs of other people, yeah. how they think I should a behave, act, believe. What the hell no. I respect everyone's beliefs. Whatever they are, they are. You know, yeah. um, doesn't matter what country you come from. That's fine. Um, I remember, I remember this beautiful, beautiful little Aboriginal kid. You know, and you know, I got, had a great friend of mine from high school, Aboriginal. And I remember this little kid coming to me one day, standing next to me at the shop. And he goes, "I'm an outsider." I said, "What the hell?" I said, "What do you mean you're outsider?" What the, I thought he meant like from the bush. He goes, "I'm black." I go, "Well, what does that make me?" I'm white. And I said, mate, you guarantee you got red blood. I've got red blood. We're brothers from the earth, pal. And he looked at me and just went, hmm, and walked off. I hope that sowed a seed yeah. in that kid's heart. That's powerful. Because they got the most beautiful smiles, um, you know, and my wife was a primary school teacher, you know, and they're, they're gorgeous kids. A friend of mine taught me that too. He said, you know, no children is born bad. Yeah. No, that's None of us are. It's powerful. It's awesome. So sounds like you've you sort of finally accepted yourself or who you were but you didn't just accept it you sort of amplified and put your attention on what was what you had to offer what you could use and to provide value to improve people's days yeah I, I guess i got to that point i started to realize that other people that i am an inspiration to other people so that's a gift so i've started to realize i guess in my life that i have a um Aaron Sansoni said something. He said, mate, we have an obligation. It was an interesting word, obligation. Yeah. Now knowing that, I have an obligation to inspire other people and encourage them to help them. 
you know, and, and that's, to me, that I, I see that as a responsibility because when you know more, you, you've got a responsibility, you know, to other people around you, you know, exactly. and, but yeah, I learned that I'm okay the way I am, I am the way I am, and so let's just build on that, and when I stop living, you know, it's like some of those beautiful women out there who live in relationships where they're just dominated and, you Controlled. know, totally you know my my sister sadly you know not with us anymore she was in that kind of environment you know and that's only now i mean i was young i was young back then when, when we lost her but you know looking at that and now in real estate i've come across that before you know and sometimes you see it and it's ugly you know it's it's not ugly it's heartbreaking yeah. you know because we're all human you know it's like on this planet we're living on there's so much you know you know nastiness going on but and economic times hard times you know yeah it's tough it's tough Les Brown I love these guys because they talk about coming from nothing they talk he talks about being born on the floor of an empty factory building shit you know nothing that's nothing yeah that's nothing Grant Cardone he's like 16 to 25 apparently did drugs got off it he's one of the richest men in the world you know sprucing his, his thing about sales and he's got a sales training company and you know things like that Aaron Sansoni he started with something like nowhere Melbourne all these guys and you know and some people you know come from rich families and still build so we all it doesn't matter where we start yeah it doesn't matter where we start as long as you pump the positive pump that positive <laughs> man. it's like and get around positive people get yeah. around positive people that's you know man. get out there man as I say you can't do it single handed mate you don't need someone else you know exactly. we just got to dig deep you got to find passion you got to have purpose if, if you don't know what it is just start writing you know, just start riding. I know what mine is. I've got a wife. That's number one. I've got a wife, two daughters. I've got a grandson now. He's awesome. They've all got, got two arms, two legs. <laughs> yeah. A lot to live for, my man. Wow. Um, yeah. I think a couple of the questions that yep. I wanted to ask you pretty much summed up while you're riffing away there. And your mission is, I think you, you're talking about you just want to want to keep inspiring people. Absolutely. To absolutely. hit their goals, hit their targets, and to make something of their life. Which like is, you did for that little, little Aboriginal boy. Is oh, mate, yeah. Let yeah. him know that he's no different than you and that, that he different? can achieve what you can. Because well, look, Chris Lewis, he became life. one of the best best players on the West Coast Eagles. I live next door to their family, you know, in, you know, in Nolamara and, you know, good family, really good family, you know. So, um, you know, I've got an appreciation for for life, I guess. You know, I've developed over the years, went through my 20s, you know, it's like... I mean, you know, tough days, my daily still days, rah, rah, rah. I was gay phobic, you know, but now I've got some of the best customers, they're gay, I mean, they're the nicest people in, this, in the world. So when we stop, when we break down those preconceived ideas, start living your own life, you know, be you, just be you, Yeah. you know, set your goals, write them down, you know, have some affirmations, it doesn't have to be a sermon, just some basic stuff, prime the mind every exactly. day, just got to prime that mind. Tough economic times, more important. Yep. And when you're constantly pumping that positive, looking for what's good rather than what's bad, you're more than likely going to find what's good. Oh, the opportunities. Yeah, look, all the, all the gurus talk about the Dennis Waitleys, Jim Rowan, Zig Ziglar's, Les Brown, the whole lot of Go look them up, Google them, search them, find them on YouTube. There's so much stuff that you can listen to. Just listen to it. Listen to something first thing in the morning. Just take five minutes. Yep. And then listen to something at night time, man. You know, it's like, just get in that zone. And if, you know, you may not kick off on it straight away, do it enough, I guarantee you, you'll start getting that. Yeah. I was doing, oh, crikey, he's on the way here. 
guess what I was listening to? Coming to meet you. What? <laughs> I haven't heard it for so long. I looked it up on my phone, searched on Google, plugged it in. I listened to it you know, three times on the way here. Eye of the Tiger. Nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Eye of the Tiger. And you know, it's funny coming to do this interview. It's like I really thought about the words that was in there. You know, he talks about, yeah, you know, it's, it's that Eye of the Tiger. Have an eye for life. Yeah, it's powerful, man. You know, get out there, pump that positive. Uh, I'm not sure much more I can say, but you know, cool. Yeah, David Weir and mate, you know, I'm on Facebook. You know, feel free. Look, you know, find out, hook, hook up, whatever. Um, yeah, cool. You know, if I can inspire somebody, you know, just if you can save a life, that's how important it is. Exactly, and I think helping someone accept who they really are or inspiring them like you are, yeah, is going to save people's lives whether you know it or not whether they tell you or not yeah yeah because what you're doing is powerful and i want to acknowledge you for that not just for that but for coming on to do this on a platform that's you know open just open to anyone listening to it and sharing Mm. so openly what you went through as a child through high school and then having to really come to terms with accepting yourself or who you are and that all that you are because oh, you are yeah. providing value, man, and I'm really grateful you're here. Cool, cool, mate. If I could spy somebody, yeah, anyone who's <laughs> listening to this, hears this, yeah, look, just believe in yourself. You know, you, you're important, you're special, we all are, you know, we, we all got goodness and greatness in us. We've just got to find it sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter what level. Your own success levels is only dictated by yourself, you know. Don't have to be driving me because I don't have a work, you know. Still got a mortgage, you know. Don't have a seven hundred thousand dollar boat. Yeah, but uh, you know, doesn't matter what it is. Life's good. Yeah, pump that positive. Cool man. Thank you. Pleasure.